Welcome back to Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the weaker vessel. Hello, everyone. And joined with us, as she often does, welcome Sandra Rollett. How you doing? I'm good. Hey, y'all. All right. If you guys want to get to know more about us, we're part of the Reformed Rebel Network. Go to rebelalliancemedia.com, our old website. You can find tons of content, articles, and go to our YouTube channel, Reformed Rebel Network. You can find our Eschatology 101 and 201 series that PNate did and a bunch of other of our episodes, but you can find our episode feed in iTunes or Podbean and Podcast Attic and probably whatever podcast app you listen to your stuff on. So go subscribe. Leave us a review. That helps us a lot with um, spreading our content. So we much appreciate it. Content has been it. a little bit slower lately. It's difficult. Yeah, everyone's yeah. teleworking. And I know Nate's been running 100 miles an hour. Right. Um, doing videos every week and then mm-hmm. doing um, visitations and then running to the grocery store and doing a bunch of stuff like that for yeah. people who... Um, can't leave their house. So Right. So we're sorry that we're kind of slow. There will be this episode obviously coming out that you're listening to. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know, there is bonus Patreon content if you are a Patreon supporter. Yep. Did I say that right? A patron. Patron supporter. Yep. There's video, which there's like some behind the scenes stuff, which is kind of fun. And or you can see our lovely faces. Exactly. So, yeah, go to... Also, Grant is a, working on a little fun thing for kids. You want to talk about that? Sure. What we're going to come out with is a short series, and they're going to be videos, but it's basically going to trace the Puritan movement. And obviously, I'm going to be uh, painting in very broad brush strokes. Right. It's just going to be four or five episodes, but we're going to try to make it video and slightly interactive for kids just tracing how the Puritan movement began, how it landed here in America, and how it influenced the the initial success of the new world. And how it should or doesn't apply to us today, right? Yeah, exactly. And in light of the current situation, even I think you're going right. to make some applications throughout. It's basically kind of supposed to be supplementary for those of you who are thrust into homeschooling or just looking for something to put on for your kids. We'll hopefully have like a study guide type mm-hmm. thing to go along with like it. Like a worksheet or something. Probably even some coloring sheets for real little kids. It's not like high school level. We're talking like elementary school right. and younger, right? Yeah. Probably maxing out at like 10, 11, 12 here. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Blaine. I mean, but Blaine, you can, you can do it anyway if you want. It's Blaine, not, we have an audience today. And honestly, <laughs> it probably would even be helpful for anyone. Like, it's just yeah. it's just American history, so. Right. I mean, when we put on kids stuff for for our kids, that's about church history. I still learn stuff. Right, exactly. So. Um, anyway. Yeah, so look out for that in the next coming weeks. And hopefully. Hopefully it, sooner rather than later. Yeah, hopefully you are greatly benefited by it. Yeah. 
Um, Patreon, we got to mention that though. Go to patreon.com slash reformed rebel, right? To become a patron. To become a patron. As little as $2 a month, you can become a patron. And right away, you'll get a whole bunch of free PDF content um, that we released um, previously. But then you'll get all the latest audio or sorry, video content. And then even this episode, there's going to be a little bit of extra video content we're trying to do that more and more like have more behind the scenes stuff more like extra content yep so So as little as two bucks you can get more we will not say no but it's as little as two bucks a month right and we appreciate it it helps us keep doing what we're doing so tonight go ahead i i am blind here okay so we have six kids in this house right now and we have you know, lots of friends who have children and um, we're living in a society of grown-up children. And so it's been a topic of our conversation, Sandra and I, a lot lately talking about parenting. Our kids are all different ages. The youngest, her youngest is three and her oldest is 14 and then mine are all in the middle. So just talking through um, like reforming our parenting because when we first started having kids, all of us first started having kids, none of us were really reformed. Like we were kind of reformed-ish, maybe, like barely though, right? Yeah, just probably Calvinistic and soteriology and that's probably it. Right. And so our parenting has, by the grace of God, grown and we've learned some new skills and stuff. One of the best resources we've had has been Doug Wilson's parenting series. And, and, And his books are great. But he, there is a several part series of parenting that's on YouTube and it's like a it's Q&A. Q&A yeah. Because um, he did a teaching series in his church and then after the sermon, they would do a Q&A and it just ran for like an hour, hour and a half each time. Mm-hmm. And those were so practical and so helpful. We recommend them to any parent. We're like, this is going to blow your mind. Yeah. It is incredible. And I know a lot of that is in their newer book. Um, why children matter yeah so if you, if you much more prefer a book go grab that book right um for those of you who don't have kids still listen to this because this is going to be foundational for many different branches that this conversation takes um one of the principles that like he has spoken about his daughters have spoken about on their podcast is the idea of training your children to want to be in fellowship mm-hmm. And this is like covenantal at its core. The family is a unit and the family has a goal and a purpose, which is to glorify God, enjoy him forever, make disciples of all nations. Like we have a goal as a body, like individual, Mm -hmm. as a corporate body, as a church, and then as a family as well. Right. And so um, just training kids to want to be in fellowship. And then when they sin, they are deciding to break fellowship with God, with their family, and possibly with the church, depending on how the sin goes, Mm -hmm. what sin they choose. And when that happens, like training them, you didn't just bite your sister. What you did actually was put yourself outside of the camp. Yeah, you broke fellowship. You are out of fellowship. You are out of step. And it's the idea of um, the story of the prodigal son. It was the prodigal son 
who decided I don't want to be in fellowship. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be part of this family, this unit. I don't want to be part of this covenant people. I want to go outside. And then when he went outside, the Bible says he came to himself. Like he realized it sucks out here. I hate being out of fellowship. Like the world looks so glitzy and glamorous. But then Mm -hmm. once you get out there, you realize the fun is on the inside. The fun is in covenant. Yeah. The protection, the provision, the security, and the joy, love and ultimate joy. Right. The joy of the world that you're talking about, the glitz and the glam is there, but it's fleeting. Like Hebrews says, sin is great for a time, Mm -hmm. but that goes away pretty fast. But that deeper, deeper joy is what's found in what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. the, The family, the covenant, family structure. Right. And that has been so transformative with our parenting um, because you really do see every little infraction as potentially leading to like the ultimate, um, I don't know, disunity mm-hmm. or disfellowship, right? Yeah. Like if you don't stop the small things, it can ultimately lead to being outside of the camp for good. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so the idea um, does come from the Old Testament and the, you know, the people of Israel, God's people, the the ecclesia of that time. And you see it all over the law with certain sins. The person had to go outside the camp and sacrifice an animal or Mm -hmm. go through a certain ritual cleansing Mm -hmm. or whatever it was. But you see that they have to go outside the camp because of their sin deal with their sin, mm-hmm. and then they are brought back in. And restored. Right. And then we. the other thing is, I think about the story of Achan, mm. you know, who takes some of, the, some of the spoils, right, during the Canaanite conquest. And that sin in the camp had to be dealt with too. Right. It, it ruined God's blessing. It ruined the progress of the conquest. And that had to be dealt with. He had to be dealt with. And they had to stop. They had to stop. They had to bring it to light and deal with it and get rid of it. And then then they could proceed. You see the same thing in 1 Corinthians 5. And I believe the context is the guy who's sleeping with his mother-in-law. And um, Paul says, purge out the old leaven. Mm Mm-hmm. Like the the threat is that it's going to leaven the whole lump if you don't get this out quick. Right. And I think he's pulling from the same ideas of the story of Achan mm-hmm. and then the whole Old Testament system. So for those who would say, well, that's Old Testament. That's not right. That's what we do. Paul's drawing the exact same principle right. where you, whatever that sin is, you have to deal with it and get rid of it. And if they don't want to, what they do to that guy? He said, treat him as a Gentile. Right. Treat him as an unbeliever. He needs to go outside the camp. Yeah, you're not of us. You're not our people. And this is a disciplinary thing in order to bring him back. That was Paul's whole purpose, mm-hmm. right? And he said, we do this so that way they will come back. And really, you do it so that they become jealous. Right. They, they long now for that fellowship, for mm-hmm. that joy, because like the prodigal, yep. they're like, dang, I was way better. Even my servants in my father's house. Had it better. Had it better than I got right now. Right. So. So that means intentionality for parents to make sure that when kids are in fellowship, that it's a party. Yeah. That Mm -hmm. it's awesome. Yeah. That being a part of us is stinking awesome. You get desserts 
and yeah. ice creams and whatever, right? <laughs> like you just, you make it great yeah, and grand and, and make it awesome that there's tons of time together and tons of affection, tons of love, all that kind of stuff. Right. And there's rules to be followed, surely. And we're not talking about spoiling. No, not no, at all. It's just that this being in fellowship is different than being out of fellowship. Mm-hmm. It's better. Right. And so from very little on then, we can't do, we've talked about like the distract and distracting parenting method where it's like, rather than addressing the sin, you just kind of dangle something shiny in front of them and hope that like that distracts them and it stops the tantrum or mm-hmm. whatever is going on, you know? And like, but that type of parenting style is unbiblical for one, but also what you're doing is you're just kind of like covering the sin. Like mm-hmm. you're healing the wound softly Yep. in that root, that sin, whether it's pride or selfishness or whatever it is that the child is struggling with at that time, it's never actually dealt with. Mm-hmm. And the root just gets deeper and deeper. And you can see this even in adults. Um, it's way harder to change habits and behaviors as an adult. If you are a child growing up with good habits, it's much easier to maintain a good habit that you grew up doing as opposed to being 30 years old and trying to pick up, you know, yep. the new habit. Yeah. Cause when you do that distracting parenting, distractive parenting, what'd you call yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> what you're doing is you're training them to be a slave to window displays. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like yeah. consumerism. Yeah, you're training them to the the prettiest thing that right there in the window. Oh, like I got it. I will go in. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is like squirrel. Um, but it's that next shiny thing. Those are the people you're training them to be the person that will stand in line for six hours for the the new iPhone. Well, and also the parents who count. I mean, I don't know who told us this but when we had really small yeah, kids. Yeah, it was a long time ago. But they were like, "Don't ever count if you tell your child, hey, you need to stop or you need to do yeah. this or whatever.' Come, come here right now. One." <laughs> two what you're telling your child is i'm giving you three seconds worth of disobedience and then right. you must come to your senses mm-hmm. but doug wilson will always say this or delayed obedience is disobedience right if you delay obedience for three seconds that's three seconds of disobedience that you're tolerating yep and it's hard when you grew up with certain habits your no, parents sure. taught that way or your parents talked that way to you or whatever or like you've been doing it for eight years now and then all of a sudden you realize, well, yeah, that's not really a great principle right? to try and break habits like that. Yep. And there's, go ahead, go ahead. But I was just going to say, okay, so yeah. this is in context of parenting, mm-hmm. being in fellowship, wanting to be in fellowship. But Sandra and I were just talking about like our current situation in light of the whole COVID crisis mm-hmm. and how so many churches are just being disobedient. Mm-hmm. They're not meeting when they could be meeting. Right. And they're um, being centered around a congregant or a scared community of the church. And rather than just saying, we don't worship the congregants, we don't worship the liberal congregants or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. that I, I keep hearing like elderly in the church. We have a large elderly crowd. Okay. Yeah. Um, if an elderly crowd is always, which they are, they're always yeah. more uh, at risk. Do we just stop meeting altogether? Yeah. Because they're always at risk for flu, for a virus, for mm-hmm. a cold. Maybe we should just stop altogether. We would say, of course not, because we don't worship the people in the church. They are not the end unto themselves. That's not the only uh, test of do you love your neighbor? Right. Yeah. 
but like we were talking yeah. about who do we go to church for? Yeah. What's the, I mean, we, we would say that the congregation all benefits from church, right? right. We all yeah. benefit from the learning of our pastor preaching to us and teaching us scripture and all those sort of things. But that's not the part, like, I don't go to church to be like, Oh, I'm going to go so that I I can learn more. That's a benefit of it. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for that. The byproduct. But yeah, but that's not the purpose. The whole purpose of church is to worship God. Right. Yep. And so we don't sacrifice right and proper worship on the altar of what makes a congregate comfortable. I mean, we would do this for all kinds of things, yeah. for worship styles, for what we do in worship. I mean, this could go on forever, yeah. right? Yep. It yeah. all there's no back end. To there's it. no end to that once you start. Right. So this conversation was had, but we were just talking about how it's funny because there are so many churches who don't, um, who don't practice church discipline. Mm-hmm. And then we were just talking about it's. It's kind of funny because we see this in many different sovereignties. Nate had a video that came out last week. Yes. Yeah, this week Sunday, I think it was Sunday. Sunday night. And it was the different sovereignties. Sovereignties and. Um, he was talking about like the church and the home and so on and so forth, the government. And we're just saying how it really is a lack of discipline in the home and in the church. And then it leads to lack of discipline in governments. Oh, and there is, right? We say our justice system, the penitentiary system is a joke. Right. And we always say judgment begins with the house of the Lord. And I would even say so much, um, if, if the church is being judged, then even more so individually our homes, right? Mm-hmm. Because you are the head of our home. Right. So we have to like take this at a very like myopic level. Like let's start at the right. basics. Yeah. Where'd you screw up that grant? Fix this now. <laughs> but like, how are you disciplining your children? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you teaching them? It's better to be in the camp. Mm-hmm. It's better to be in fellowship. We don't want to be out of fellowship. Yeah. And um, and even Nate said, like I think Nate quoted uh, you know, peace if possible, truth at all costs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Luther? it's, yeah. And it's like, okay, well then in the church, yes, peace if possible, truth at all costs. So then are we purging the evil from the camps? Right. Are we actually going after the sinful behaviors? I would say if we're closing our churches down for unbiblical reasons, ungodly reasons, then no, then we're just fostering that sin. Well, right? and, and, Going back to the the family aspect of in fellowship being so awesome. So when they're mm-hmm. out of it, it's truly awful. The church ought to, ought to be, sorry, excuse me. The church ought to be the same way, right? Yeah. When you're at church and fellowshipping with the body there, it should be so awesome that when they canceled church, you're like, no, you hate it. no, it's you know, right. and then you're thinking, wait, how can we, how can we still meet? Is there any way? And then you're, you're right. going, right. You're, you're wanting it so you're bad. Fiending. Yeah. Fiending for it. <laughs> you're cause, cause now we're in the pigsty eating slop, slop. and, and it'll get like, you by, but it gosh. sucks. Yeah. Yeah. You'll stay alive, but you really just want to go back to your body. And so house. then, and that trickles that into the government. And because the government is doing such a shady job, we can stop and say, well, shady, shady. Yeah. Shady. Sorry. <laughs> Um, such a shady job, we can say, well, that's because those people in the government were raised by someone. They were catechized by right. someone. Who yeah. was it? Who catechized them to be that way? Was it their parent? They're just practicing their catechisms right now. Yeah. Karl Marx I mean, and Charles Darwin. But that's a fruit of right. like an evolutionary worldview. Secular humanist idea. Yeah. Exactly. You yeah. know, we should all be Naomi during family worship tonight where 
you drag her away because no. she's out of fellowship and not acting right. No, I want to go back. Exactly. I mean, we should all be, that's how we should all be acting. We should all be, yeah, this right. is not right. This isn't mm-hmm. how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Right. So, so what else on the, on the parenting front? Was that our main thrust? Well, the parenting just has topic. so many implications because everyone grows up. So every child was parent, yeah. every politician was parented yeah. by someone. Every pastor was parented by someone like everyone and, and everyone in between, right. Um, was parented by someone. And so as parents, we realized we actually have a massive responsibility. And when we were, I was saying earlier, like, even if you don't have kids, you should keep listening because I would even say in the church, if you are an elder, mm-hmm. if you are in any type of leadership role, yeah, you are also modeling this mm-hmm. in how you discipline are you taking the sins of your church seriously? Right. If you're allowing the gossip, the slander, the partialism, um, whatever it is to like stay in your pews, if that's just tolerated and rather than actually going after the root of the sin, going after the person, which is going to be messy, it's going to be risky and it's going to require a lot lot, of backbone. Yeah. A lot, a lot of backbone. But a lot of pastors won't do that. A lot of pastors mm-hmm. will just pray about it and say the Holy Spirit can work that out in their hearts and move yeah. on. I just trust God that it'll work out. Or But the pastor is being a cowardly shepherd. Right. And just like the father who is doing the distracting, distractive parenting method, the pastor who isn't going after those specific sins that he knows that I'm not saying he yeah. has to go on a witch mm-hmm. hunt. But I'm saying yeah. like the ones that are obvious, you know, if you have that one old lady in your church who's just always spreading rumors and you know it, like you need to take action, right? Yeah. You, you, if you are a good shepherd, then you will fight off the wolves. Right. You're not yeah. going to let them just prey on your sheep. Even if it is a bloody mess and it might be, and especially in smaller churches, I think that's harder because, you know, half of the church is one family. Mm-hmm. They're all related or. Well, and you know that once once you start to nobody likes to be disciplined right like naomi does not enjoy that's why it works i know right <laughs> she does not enjoy being taken outside the family and given her spanking or mm-hmm. her talking to mm-hmm. or whatnot and i don't honestly believe i've really ever seen my children be like oh heck yeah mom lay into her you know oh, like, my favorite yeah exactly so none of us like to like to see it none of we don't like to experience it right. i think it's you know we look at the church and we see the same thing right like the pastor doesn't want to have to go and discipline right. his, his people. And none of us like to see that person that we really value and love in our congregation needing to be spoken to for whatever mm-hmm. sin it may be. But when, when they come back, I mean, like, it's like Naomi, when she comes back, when she decides like, okay, yes, there is some decision that has to be made by Naomi as well. Right. Cause I can spank her or talk to her until I'm blue in the face, but. It's, it's her heart. It's yeah. her heart. Right. And, but you know, when I sit her in that timeout and I'm like, okay, when you can come and apologize, when you can stop, you know, treating your brother that way or whatnot, then you can uh, rejoin the family. And she comes back and she rejoins the family. She does her, you know, apology or whatever it mm-hmm. is. And she rejoins. There is this joyousness. Mm-hmm. Everyone's not, happy. And it's not just Naomi who's joyous. It's right. mom, it's brothers. You know, I was going to say yep. sisters, but she doesn't have any. <laughs> <laughs> the Van Brimmer girls the Van Brimmer are. girls. Um, but it's, it's a joy for all of us. And, right. you know, it's, it, I think it's the same for our congregations. Right. You know, right. when you 
take the woman who's gossiping and, you know, she learns to finally decide to hold her tongue and to train her tongue, then it's a joy for all of us because now we can all congregate with her. Now we can all be in fellowship with her and trust her during prayer time and Bible study and all these things that this is a safe place. You know, it benefits the whole family is the point. Exactly. We're also talking about like this secular sacred divide where we think things like table manners don't matter, mm-hmm. but then catechizing your child does, you know, it's like, yeah. you don't realize that actually everything is discipline, right? Teaching your child to sit at the table properly is discipline and it's mm-hmm. godly discipline, teaching yeah. your child to uh, obey immediately. Even if it's something as simple as, Hey, close that door. You shouldn't have to say it eight times, you know, like those are actually holy things that you are endeavoring to accomplish by training your child. It isn't just catechize, you know what I'm trying to say? Right, it's not just making them memorize certain theological prepositions. Right. But all of the, like you said, table manners or, you know, proper uh, discipline in that way still trains them to be disciplined in other areas. Mm-hmm. It's all training, right? You know, their yeah. their whole life is a raising up to, um, in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Yeah, the whole thing is not just the the little family devotion time. Mm-hmm. The whole day, as Deuteronomy six has told us to, the whole day is is doing this kind of training. Mm-hmm. And so all of those things transfer over. You know, training them to sit still during dinner helps them practice. Right. With uh, self-control over their body. Well, that's going to become real handy when they go through puberty to be able to be disciplined and control their body. Where, where do they get that training before that? Right. Right. That has to come from somewhere. So sitting in the pew Sunday. Right. Yeah. Sitting still in church, not climbing all over the place and wiggling and shaking legs and whatever else. Like, no, stop. Know how to control your body. And then that will, have transfer benefit in like a hundred other ways. So do you think a lot of times parents are just embarrassed to have to discipline their children? Oh, definitely. Right. And they shouldn't be. That's the thing is when your kid acts up, you should just look at them and be like, well, yeah, of course, because they're totally depraved. Right. They are a child of wrath as all, as we all are. Mm -hmm. And so you shouldn't, you know, it's about you when your kid acts up, your face turns red and you look up at your friends. Right. You're making it about you. It is no longer about your kid, their well-being, their character, and their holiness and godliness at that point. Right. But if you look at it and you look around at your friends, kind of smirk like, well, yeah, it's a little sinner, right? And then I'm you- I'm going to go take care of this. Yeah, yeah, and then you grab their hand and you step out for a few minutes and do what you got to do. Take them out of the camp for a minute. <laughs> yeah, deal with it, right? They need to be cleansed. They need to be washed clean. They need to get rid of that, shake it off um, through confession, discipline, all that, you know? Then you bring them back in and then you go, that's just what we do. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's be so, real. I mean, it, this goes on your whole life. That's like the whole point of sanctification, right? Right. Like, and that's what God does with have you better, your whole life. They, they have a better excuse than we do, you know? At least you yep. can say, oh, she's three years old and I'm just still you know, training this. I'm 30. What's, uh, what, yeah. <laughs> what's my excuse? Exactly. I had too much coffee. Sorry. You know, can't yeah, still. That's, a big, that's a big thing. And actually, Doug Wilson talked about that when it came to ministers because obviously the family's in a fishbowl. Right. Um, but he said, you know, that pastor is, he, he would say even like disqualified when it comes to managing his own family. If when his kids 
act up, he looks around at everyone, you know, from the church and he is red in the face. You're like, that's a man who does, is not managing his household well. But if his kid acts up and then he just kind of looks up like, oh, yep, sinner's going to sin. And then, you know, takes his kid out and deals with it. He's, he also pointed out that if you don't deal with it right, then that's a problem. Right. If you try and just like, oh, here, like the distracted thing here, here's a cookie. Bye bye. Right. And try to get them out, you know, out of the room, out of the situation, divert in that way. That's not managing your household. Well, that's like we said, you're training them to to be a slave to window displays. Well, and it shows a lot with the pastor too. I mean, as a congregate, I mean, sitting there watching my pastor take care of it is just going to be more of an example of what I should do. Right. He's modeling for you. Exactly. Yeah. And I guarantee you every pastor, if they watch you with your kid and they see your kid acting up and you say, you know, oh, just one minute, I got to take care of this. They'll be like, what a good Christian parent that is. Right. They're not going to be like, wow, I can't believe that congregant. Well, and anyone who does have a real, like, unrealistic expectation of a child, like, if I see Naomi sinning, she's a three-year-old child who is <laughs> sinful. So, like, I'm not surprised she's going to pitch a fit. That right. doesn't surprise me. But what would surprise me is if you didn't discipline that, right? Like, that yeah, I mean, right. but even, yeah. but even in that case, I'm not going to be like, "Wow, what a terrible little three-year-old." I'm going to think, "Wow, what a terrible mom." You know, yeah, as you that's, should, as you should. That's the reality. Believe it or not. Uh, almost all three-year-olds pitch fits right it's pretty universal <laughs> pretty, yeah it's almost right, cool. I'm universal the, i'm in the good good to know we don't accept it and i we mean discipline it but it should be it should be clear especially to christians that the parent that that does judge the other parent based on that like wow you're a terrible person look how bad your kid is who's three right. yeah and now you're disciplining and your kid like there's a you know what I mean? There's kind of a dynamic there that you can see. Oh yeah, they're, they are doing their job or whatever. Yeah, Because yeah, obviously you do see those parents, their kids are acting nuts. They're not disciplining them. And you're kind of like, oh, I guess that's why. Right. Right. But if you're truly... The obvious implication is that the parent is being lazy and the kid is taking advantage of the parent's laziness. Right. So, yep. I mean, and it's just uh, by, you know, far... Uh, you know, more often the case that parents who do actively discipline their kids are better behaved. Right. Well, I, think I mean, that's also, just kind of generally what happens. Well, it's just how God designed it, right? <laughs> right. Also, with the with the pastors, it's wrong that topic, disciplining his children. Yeah. I'm just sitting here thinking, like, if I if I see him not taking care of his family, I'm going to sit there and wonder, well, how much more is he not taking care of his congregation? Right. Yeah. And it does disqualify him, like Grant was saying, for sure. This is funny because we've gone to so many churches in the course of our military life, and even before that, actually. Um, Mm -hmm. And the pastors who had godly grown children were always the pastors who would encourage us to spank our children often and catechize them. Yep. And I'm thinking specifically of Pastor Merkel, remember? Yeah. Yeah, he was good. He had four grown, believing children. Yeah, exactly. And we had a very um, mischievous, <laughs> little sinful Edward. little Edward. <laughs> who you He's can, like, just got to wallop him and I, catechize him. Yeah. And, and literally. It's not just beating on him. It's not, don't just beat on him. You got to actually teach him God's word. I mean, and he would, he would watch Eddie sin in front of us. And like, he would just, I'd like, I, I spank him. Like, I don't know what else to do. He, he was just like, 
you just trust the Bible when it says that spanking your children brings good fruit. It's yeah. a promise that God's given to you. You trust it. And if you don't see the fruit now, you just trust that in due time, the fruit will come. And it was some of the best parenting advice we've ever been given. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I always think that like when I, when you take parenting advice from someone, like we're all sitting here, we don't have any grown kids. Right. So like, Take it or leave it. Yeah, take it or leave it. But like, this isn't even our advice. It's just like a regurgitation. Right. It's like other stuff people who have godly yes, older children. Stuff we've received and put into practice and have seen fruit. Yeah. Right. Again, kids aren't grown yet, but Almost. but we've seen fruit. Right. We got four more years. I Almost. Yeah, Sandra. I got For four. only one of yours. I mean, <laughs> but listen, I'm just saying I can get them to 14. After that, it's questionable. Right. I mean, but, I'm only you know, at 10. Right. We're only at 10. So... I had nine months on you. What? I was parenting about? for nine months. Okay. I was reading to Lila. <laughs> um, anyway, so all of this to say, like, it actually is very important to have a biblical theology of parenting because it does eke into every other sphere because every child grows up. Yeah, exactly. So if and you're going to raise a politician and you want them to be a godly politician, you better parent them right, yeah. right? Exactly. If you want to have a godly uh, senator in your state, then you're hoping that whoever that child, you know, is in your pews is being pastored by a godly pastor. Right. So. Yeah. Um, the other thing too, this is just something bouncing around in my head at the moment is that if you're going to listen to someone's advice, especially on parenting um i mean yeah look at their kids look at their heritage right right and so that's why when you do look at doug wilson for as much hate he gets you look at his kids and they're all flourishing successful and love the lord and have grown children themselves who are likewise who are the same yeah exactly so i mean that you're like, well, maybe I should put into practice well, some and things he did. It's always so important to realize like the Bible is sufficient. And so if we believe that, then that's where we go to for our parenting advice. Yeah. We don't go to, you know, secular agents and say, how do I, how do I discipline my child? We don't go to the pediatrician or to, was it Dr. Child Brown? Psychologist. Was it like, is that what his name was? Dr. Who? Brown or whoever it oh, was. I know he makes that, that guy makes bottles. Maybe that's yeah. what I'm thinking of. Bottles. Same difference. Though, you know? I don't know. Whoever it was. I have no idea what they're talking about. But so, you don't, like, that's not who we go to right. for, like, parenting advice. We because cosmopolitan. A lot of people kids. will go to the child psychologist. Babycenter.com. Or whatever, and get, yeah. you know, their child's behavior and all that evaluated. And their starting point, we've talked a lot about this recently, but right, their starting point is going to be that uh, humans are basically good because right. they're going to be secular humanists. And all they need to do is their environment needs to be changed a little bit. And then it right. will just continue mm -hmm. to draw that good out of them. Right. They're not sinners who need grace. Right. right. They're not sinners who need gospel. They're, so it's a completely uh, opposite message. Right. So we don't go to the world. They don't. They don't understand the true nature of humanity. And this and is where, where pastors can shine, right? Yeah. Because there are so many Christians like us who grew up in dispensational churches and we're always taught like Bible stories, but we're never taught how all the stories fit together in one, like one story. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think when we think of parenting, we look at like examples in the Bible and we think, 
like there's God the Father, but like I don't like what he did to <laughs> Jesus was kind of weird. Maybe I shouldn't kill my kids. You know, it, like it, it's yeah. really confusing. So we think, well, where is the parenting advice in the Bible? Mm-hmm. But then we start thinking about like all of the Bible is, is teaching us something. So we can look at principles in, found in scripture and, and say like, we need to teach our children to want to be in fellowship, to have right. Christian unity, to be united to the body, to be united to the family and to be outside of the campus. Bed. And so like having a pastor teaching us these principles and teaching us, you know, the old Testament, the new Testament, all mm-hmm. these these stories throughout, it does impact how we should be parenting. And as a pastor, you ought to be teaching your congregation, like the application of all of these stories found throughout scripture. So this is where it's like, even if you don't have kids and you're a pastor or your kids are grown and you don't necessarily think like, oh, I'm talking about the sinner who was kicked out of the camp mm-hmm. or, you know, the leper who is put outside of the the city walls, maybe, maybe that doesn't necessarily, you know, in your mind, you don't think, well, this is a great parenting sermon, (laughs) right? but like, if you're a good pastor, you would see it. That's a great application point, you you know? Mm -hmm. True. Well, the family unit, the joy and unity and all that, that it should be displaying, um, kind of is a picture of the Trinity though, right? Mm -hmm. The, the eternal, love and joy and relationship that's found there. I mean, that's right. what we're created in the image of. And I just think of like this, I mean, how society would change if we actually started doing this in our homes and in our churches yeah. and in the government. Like um, if there are cases happening where something is wrong in the family, mm-hmm. you know, something is happening, a, a husband is abusing his wife, let's say. And in our society, if it were to be transformed, that ideally that family would be part of a church. They'd be a member of a church. Yeah. And the pastor would also have the authority then to uh, guard the Lord's table, to fence the table. And if he knows that this husband is not loving his family and there's disunity in the family, then he could say, because there's disunity in your family, now you are not united at the Lord's table. Mm-hmm. He could fence the table. Like, so even, um, as the church reforms in this way, as we reform as a body of Christ and in society, we're post-millennial. We believe someday it will Mm -hmm. um, be this way. We can just see how this idea would actually benefit all the different spheres Mm -hmm. if all of them are teaching and acting in this way. Yeah. Like the protection that would offer, right? Yeah. Um, Not even just spiritually, but like physically. Yeah, to the woman who's being abused. Yeah. So. The, this random thought came in my mind. The, even the, the, the whole thing right now of like, okay, boomer, you know, Mm -hmm. that directly relates back to children not being in the worship service. Mm. Oh yeah. Children not being at the table with their parents. Right. Since the church has split up the family there. Why, why would we ever be surprised then? that youngsters are just disregarding and disrespecting the older generation. Right. And something like, okay, boomer becomes, you know, so popular. Right. Like the church, like you said, judgment begins in the house of the Lord and we need to fix this. So that way that kind of stuff will start to be um, 
put under Jesus' feet. Yeah, because we've essentially put our kids outside of the camp when we stick them into a church program for the first 12 years of their life. Right. And then we say, well, now you can be part of this. Yeah. And they don't like it because it's not as fun or entertaining as what they're used to. Mm-hmm. Now it's the parents' boring way of doing things. And it's, right. okay, Boomer, we'll do church your way now. Yep. Well, and then, honestly, with this whole thing, too, I mean, is it any wonder that there's not very many people that are up upset about not going to church i mean those are the same people that right. never went to church until you know they were basically an adult now, most people love this excuse to not <laughs> no have to i know that's church. what i'm saying yeah. it's like for i said I mean, most i said most for most people it's the it started off as oh i get a long weekend now it's like oh well now i just it's fine i can watch it on tv or on yeah. youtube mm-hmm. or whatnot and is it any wonder that really the majority of those of people are are okay with it I mean, I know so many people that like this really hasn't changed that much. Right. For yeah. Them. yeah their, right. Life, their life on the weekend hasn't really changed that yeah. much. <laughs> I mean, now it's like they get an extra day and everything, you know. So, right. Because we never had them in the worship service in the first place, because we didn't have them sitting at the table with the family, mm-hmm. we're going to eat together, we're going to worship together. We're like, this, right. is, this is what we do. We are the body of Christ. Right. Is it any wonder they're not? Right. They're like, okay. They're not hurting. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. These are the same people now that are leading our churches and stuff. And they're just like, it's not the big deal. It's fine. We can fix this. Yeah. So I'll pass and we'll go back right. to normal. But this shouldn't be normal. Right. So I don't even know where we're at on time. I don't either. But these were just some random musings that yeah. we've had throughout the week. Hopefully that gives you something to think about. Hopefully. And we hope that maybe it was uh if you're not a very beneficial. Yet, Hopefully it's still beneficial. And maybe yeah. send this to someone who is a parent. Yeah. That could be a good thing. Or they could get really angry with you. Maybe they think you're calling them a bad parent. <laughs> right. What do you know? <laughs> All righty. Are we, uh, are we good? Call it. I'm good. Awesome. Thank you guys for listening. As always, we appreciate it. And we pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the spirit. Until next time, get woke. Yeah. Let's start with the microphone check One, two, first Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church The kind of things that few search They say that the truth hurts Well, this pain is gain So let's explain the new birth First things first Can't neglect us at the start I must preface my remarks With the deadness of the heart From original sin The effects of the fall The sin of our first parents Brought death to us all Since Adam was our federal head What he did counted for us In him were all rebels and dead Yo, captured in the mind Disaster, sin and Crimes in a dark state, Alaska in the winter time, sour in our frames. Left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames. Cause we're powerless to change. If you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily. As you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3. Peep this, 
You'll see that verse one is my thesis. It's the deepest truth that should get you speechless. What scripture teaches will fill in the missing pieces. Picture Jesus meeting up with Nicodemus. Perhaps it was fright about the other Pharisees' wicked spite against Christ that turned this into Nicked Night. He called the rabbi and gave him props. Said he was a teacher from God. Jesus replied, made him stop. Regarding the kingdom of God, no one's going in. In fact, you can't even see it unless you're born again. That must have consumed and stretched his mind. Cause he said, Can a man enter his mother's womb a second time? Naturalistically, the only way for him to hear it. Jesus said, You must be born of the water and the spirit. No other way to enter heaven. That sounds like Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. In this new birth, the spirit is the source and the agent. The water symbolizes spiritual purification. Flesh can only produce flesh. That's true and factual. Regenerating work of the spirit is supernatural. It's kind of like the wind, which is free. East to west can't perceive the steps. You can only see its effects in the same way the Holy Spirit chooses who he pleases to sovereignly open their eyes to the truth of Jesus. For the spirit's mysterious operation uh-huh. We will all be under serious condemnation I'd still be rejecting the sun If God hadn't said let there be light Like Genesis 1 yeah. And just like the light could not refuse to shine Irresistible grace has renewed my mind Let's exalt the king who died and truly is risen The new birth is not the effect of human decision But the cause It changes our natural habitation The situation It's a radical transformation I was cursed and polluted So my dirt was inexcusable With new internal Pupils, his person is beautiful, his worth is indisputable, the lamb is amazing, a standing ovation for his work in the crucible, so let us respond with true worship and love to the God who was given new birth from above.